So remember back in Parallels when I said that the Worf and Troy thing became a thing? It became a thing. I think I was just remembering this one scene from the last episode of the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't really sell this romance. You know, but like, I mean, in this episode, it seemed fine. Like, if you just watched... So this is one of the episodes that I saw. I saw this one this aired. I remember this very well when it aired. Okay. Um, and... If you're just kind of, but th- this was probably one of the few episodes I did watch, and probably likely I didn't see any episodes with the Ro- Worf and Troy romance. So if you're just going on this episode, it's fine. You know, because they sell it in this episode, at least. It seems fine to me. Yeah. I don't really have a problem with it. We don't have and... the context from the other episodes, but, you know. Well, I think it's problematic for a couple of reasons, and, and we're talking about all good things. The the last episode of The Next Generation, we're very pointedly not talking about what that means, what that means for Trek about, what that means for us personally. We'll get into all that later. We're starting uh, with, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're starting with bullshit, basically. I was going to say, um, this is the least interesting subplot. Let's get it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. I think that that's kind of indicative of the problem with the show as it got older in the seventh season is that I think in previous seasons they would have done a better job of kind of selling this a little more. It seemed like they just sort of put it in a couple times very, very, very ham-fistedly. And then at the end of the the very last episode, they're like, oh, yeah, they're a thing now and they're going to make out. And then here comes Picard and he's wild-eyed in his robe. (laughs) Okay. It only seems like that's kind of their subplot because they need kind of something to do. I mean, of course, one of the... Uh, 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 points of the future scenario in this is that everybody has just kind of drifted apart for various reasons, and that just happens to be the reason that, you know, Troy, the Troy Wharf Riker thing, you know, became awkward. Well, I like, you know, it, yeah, I think so, and I think that, you know, the future stuff is interesting in the episode because, of course, that is a future path that perhaps none of them are going to go on, yeah. right? Uh, now that this kind of thing has changed, I think that the Worf and Troy thing is kind of a way for them to just get into the episode and it's fine, you know? And I think it, it works with the characterizations that they've built up and it works with the, the Riker and Worf thing in the future where they've obviously fallen out because of Troy. They don't really get into how Troy died, which is kind of shocking, right? That she would die. Um, And it's, it's all just kind of, I think that watching all good things after seeing the entirety of the yeah. show in order over the past year and a half. Uh, it's an interesting episode because it's not really about the characters in the way that the show has been about the characters in a lot of ways, but it works because it's showing us the different paths that they go on and in sort of showing us different versions of the same character. It's kind of showing how they've changed and grown. And that's how it's about the characters more than about showing us the characters as we've gotten to know them. Yeah. But in a way, the characters are all, this is very much a final statement episode in a way. I mean, this is trying to make the philosophical, uh, you know, end statement of the show. Um, what is the show's, thesis what is you know this is the episode where it's closing out all the themes so if the characters seem slightly removed from how they were well they're taking very explicitly symbolic duty here you know they are this is an episode about frankly the acceptance of death and how to live a good life and you know you know this is the themes that 
have been going on about, you know, making different choices and, you know, about time travel and the opportunity to redo, you know, that's all coming to a culmination here. And so, well, and frankly, the, the, the future that we see is, is kind of horrifying. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, I mean, Picard is an old man before his time because people regularly live to be 120, 130 years in the future and, or in Star Trek, I should say. Uh, I don't have any like foreknowledge of the future, what's going to happen. Um, so let's get that out of the <laughs> way right now. I am not a seer. Uh, Eric, the more you deny it, the more it's going <laughs> to seem like you're bullshitting. Alakazam. Um, ah, and I'm a so, frog. you know, <laughs> Picard is like 85 or something, I think he's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, it's 25 so, years later. So yeah, yeah, so I think it's like, you know, that's kind of sad because this is a man that is very vital and very full of life and energy and, and, and just sort of. Uh, uh, really a renaissance yeah. man in a way and he's tottering around and he he's has, losing his mind. He's in early and, stages of Alzheimer's right, right He's dying an early death basically and, and everyone around him that respected him is sort of humoring him really. Yeah, there's that one scene where they're all in the, you know, uh, the, the, when the, when they're all saying like, "Do you really believe he's going through time?" You know, in the future, and they're all basically like, "No." And you know, Crusher says, "You know, if he wants to go on one last mission, we'll do it." You know, she knows it's going to be a wild goose chase, but you know, she figures this is the way to give him dignity in a way. You know, before he finally slips, because I think they're realizing that this incarnation of Picard is slipping. You know, he's a yeah. couple he's a couple months from the home, frankly. Yeah, exactly, and and you know. Uh, Riker seems to have become some sort of reactionary uh, uh, functionary who's just there to say no to people, and he doesn't seem very happy. Uh, Worf, obviously, you know, it's, well, no, what you know, Kirk, Kirk hated being an admiral. You yeah, know, so why would Riker why would like Riker? Because Riker is basically Kirk, as we've talked about in the past. You know, Worf has become someone who who decided to go on the side of the Klingons, and you know, as we've talked about in the past seven seasons, he's someone who's very, very interested in being like sort of a fundamentalist Klingon, and he's been basically, I think, thrown out of the Klingon Empire yeah. and and shunted off to some colony world. So yeah, he's Kl- not happy. The Klingons themselves have become '60s Klingons, right? Exactly. You know, they've taken over the Romulan Empire, which is kind of like you can do that kind of thing in this kind of episode, of course, oh, because yeah. they wipe it away at the end, and, and no one actually knows what's going to happen. Um, you know, Deanna is dead. Uh, you know, Jordy seems okay. Jordy seems fine. Um, he's married to Leia, I guess. That was weird. weird. Yeah. Because, you know, even if her husband, like I, I, I was ready for him to say, yeah, Aquiel and I are doing when it's like, all right, fine. Like that went nowhere, but I kind of liked it. That was kind of a weird decision, but yeah. he seems generally happy. Uh, Data seems like kind of a creep. Frankly. <laughs> I and- love that. Data has finally like. Data's become so human that he dyes his hair and, like, lives as an eccentric professor. Like, I loved it. You I know? mean, he and his— He has a billion cats. He and his mate are fucking, right? Oh, God, yeah. Like, that's what's but, happening? But, but then I thought that that was a—was that real or was that a hologram? Because then they have, like, when they're talking to, you know, Starfleet and they're like, all right, computer, restore the end, it restores the wall. Like— I figured, like, Data's actually in a crazy robot's home, and, you know, he's not actually a prof- – you know, Ox – he's in the Oxford because he's being studied, and, you know, they just told him he's – They're not actually at Cambridge. <laughs> yeah. They're at the Starfleet home for the crazy robots in <laughs> Iowa or something. Yeah. That could be, yeah. Um, and then finally, Beverly, of course, seems pretty happy. She's uh, yeah. the captain of a starship, which is an awesome thing to be. It's the logical endpoint of, you know, oh, I'm just going to take the bridge test, you know, just because I'm bored, and, you know – 
it's funny you can see a series of decisions leading up to that point and you know now she's the captain of a medical ship yeah and I, you know it's funny because i really like the episode a lot because you know they don't spell anything out for you they just sort of give yeah. you some sketches of what the future is like and you can kind of extrapolate out what the past 25 years have been like for all of these characters yeah you know beverly and picard got married uh you know, and divorced and divorced Riker obviously became captain then an admiral he's not happy you can see Worf's path you can see Geordi's path you yeah. can see all of their paths right uh except for Deanna we don't know what happened to her um maybe Worf murdered her I don't know Let's <laughs> yeah just go I was gonna that. say was that's it why him? that's why he fled to the Klingon Empire. <laughs> um but you know it, it's really interesting to me because all good things was was co-written by Ron Moore and Brian and Braga okay. and they worked on it for a really long time, yeah. and I think that shows because this is probably the best episode. That, well, I don't want to say probably. This is the best episode of the season. And one of the best of the series, you know, and frankly, yeah. one of the one of my favorite finales. Well, it's a very good finale yeah. because it it. It gives exactly what you want in a series finale. You know, you get to see all of the characters. You get to see them sort of say goodbye to each other in a way that doesn't actually indicate yeah. that they're saying goodbye to each other. You, yeah, because it very much ends with the adventure continuing. You know? Right? There, they there there are going to be hundreds more episodes, like in our imagination. This is gonna there are, there's fanfic gonna come out of this. You can you know? de- yeah, exactly. I mean, you can definitely see a version of of the series finale where they decided that everybody would leave the ship and go off and do their own thing. But of course, they don't weren't going to do that because they knew they were making Generations, the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, Gen- Generations came out like I think three or four months after this yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was you know they, i think they were already prepping it actually and frankly the theme of the episode becomes you know everybody going their own way it, it's about avoiding that you know it's well it's interesting there's, you know th- th- there's a the 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 senior staff the crew is seen as a little more like a like this feels like a final high school episode almost in a way like we're going to be friends forever which feels a little isn't if that isn't quite how we've always seen the characters like it feels like at that point they finally earned that and become yeah. this very you know well what i like about the episode is that it really it really gets to have it both ways right yeah. like you get to see them say goodbye to each other and go off in their own direction in the future parts yeah and you get to see them kind of hang out and just stay in the same place in the present yeah and i think that's a really wise decision because it it gives you exactly what you want, I think, and and but it doesn't give it to you in the way that you expect, which yeah. I think is what the best TNG episodes did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I guess so. so I mean, yeah, this is a hard episode to talk about just because it is. It's a very sprawling episode. Yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, the I think there's an argument to be made that this could have been the movie. Yeah, I was going to say this. This is pretty. This should have been the movie, yeah. Um, I mean, because when we watch Generations, you're yeah, I, I've, you haven't seen it, right? No, I haven't, but I know it's not really well regarded. It's yeah, it's a mess. I frank, my understanding is it's kind of spoken of like Star Trek Five. I would say it's not as bad as Star Trek Five. It definitely, I, I you know, Star Trek Five has its charms, and I think that Star Trek Five is a pretty bad movie. But but it's but it's kind a of, funny bad movie, yeah. But but Generations is just kind of atrociously bad. Okay, yeah. Um, well, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. I mean, I could, you know, it's, it's nice that it has the breathing space. I mean, this is an hour and a half. It, 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 it's a very slow burn. I mean, for a while there's, well, you a, don't know what's happening. Yeah. I mean, the, the first few, you know, it takes a while for him to start even regaining memories from, you know, time skip to time skip. I mean, and then what the plot is, you know, of this anomaly is very slow to be revealed. Like it, you know, 
Q doesn't even show up until the halfway point, which is because I rem- I very much remembered Q, at, you know, in this episode. But he's I really like Q in this episode. No, because I do it's too. The, tapestry was leading more to this. Um, it's the in his original appearance, Q was in wasn't as buffoonish as he can be in later episodes. And he's in this, he's very mysterious. He's not exactly an ally. He's a well. It's really funny, right? Because you know you get to see different versions of the characters you get to see versions of the characters like before the pilot yeah you get to see versions of the characters in the present you get to see versions of the characters in the future and i think in the same way you know i think we've talked in the past about how the original conception of q very much fit into the show as a as as a tonal yeah. companion to the original series and once they figured out that that wasn't the way for the next generation to go and it became sort of a quiet character drama uh, Q became something else. They figured out how to make him work in the context of the show as it grew and changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think in this episode, what you see is John Delancey figuring out how to play that earlier version of Q and reconciling it with the later version of Q and making it work really yeah, well, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, Like I said, Tapestry was kind of the first run of that, and it was excellent, and this is... I mean, I loved Tapestry too. Like that, the, you know, those are, those are good Q this, episodes. Yeah, Q in this episode, you know, feels... True to the cue that we saw in Encounter at Farpoint, feels yeah. true to the cue that we saw in later episodes. And but at the same time, you can tell that cue in this episode is kind of acting a little bit like a parent trying to teach their kid to ride a bike and yeah. kind of like, no, you got to do it. You can figure this out. You just have to do it. <laughs> and, you know, masking it by saying he doesn't want him to succeed. But of course, Q does want him to succeed because Q uh, is, is fascinated by Picard and is fascinated by humanity and doesn't want to see humanity destroyed. I mean, yeah, it's interesting to the now this episode is all about this temporal paradox and stuff like that, you know. Well, I think we should say that the plot of the episode makes no, makes sense. no sense. But that's okay. It doesn't matter. And that's kind of part of the point of it. But um I mean, there is a degree where it's very ambiguous, you know, because we're li- very limited in how we understand time. You and I understand time linear- linearly for the most part. Um, this will also become a big thing in Deep Space Nine, incidentally. Okay. I mean, this is Slaughterhouse-Five, the episode. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, viewing time as more cyclically and all of that, I mean, there is a degree to which – you know, the time skips cause the anomaly as well, because if Q... So there's almost an implication that Q is set... You know, the Q have set up this test for him, and... Yeah. You know, while I think that, you know, when he... When Picard asks Q, you know, did you set up the time skips, and he whispers it to him, like, you know, a lot of the implication... And frankly, the primordial ooze scene, I think, is, a, you know, is also an example of this. I think... You know, Q maybe Q is like one of those teachers who gives you an extra hint because you know they know you need it, even though the school doesn't necessarily approve of the teacher giving the extra hint. Right. You know, they'll do it anyway because they really want to teach you, and they know you can get it, and they know you just need that little boost. Right. And so, you know, yeah, you know, this is it's a very nice parallel. I mean, there's. Talking about how this feels like a very satisfying episode. I mean, this episode is a lot of circles closing. Finally, yeah. One of them. I'm very sad that we haven't seen Guy in since Rascals. Is it? 
no, she was in a later episode, I believe. She was in uh, uh, Suspicions. I think Suspicions was her last episode. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I'm surprised that she, I thought, you know, when they said, oh, we're going to go to 10 forward, I'm like, all right, we're going to see old Guinan. You know, that's going to be great. And she's going to look exactly the same, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure why, actually. You know, yeah. I, she she is in Generations. Okay. So we do get to see her again. But, I, yeah, I don't know why she wasn't in the finale. Maybe I mean, she that was available. Who knows? Or frankly, to see Guinan again looking as she always does and to see her seeing Picard I mean I wanted to see that scene yeah yeah but, but you know um again I'll, somebody wrote that fanfic so I'll read it um but you know the, so encounter at Farpoint is Q tests humanity and one of the major you know he's saying oh you're gonna go into space you're gonna see some shit that you're never gonna see before we've kind of fanned that into the Borg um right. he's talking about and I'm sure which I'm sure is a fairly common uh you know, assumption. Sure, yeah. Um, whether that was intended at the time or not. Um, and ultimately, the test at the end of Encounter at Farpoint was for them to see something that they did not think of as life and realize was life. In right. A way. In other words, right. the station turns out to be these jellyfish creatures. And that becomes one of the major themes of the series as a whole. You know, data, is he a person? You know, what is, you know, oh, these silicon, you know, shiny lights, are they life? You know, oh, this uh, little android bot that we built, you know, that's life. You know, and frankly, we just had this a couple days ago with uh, the Enterprise, uh, a couple episodes ago with the Enterprise becoming. Oh, yeah, an emergence, yeah. So that was kind of the major arc of the series. If the series had a major theme, which it's had several, one of that is to challenge the definitions of life and implicitly to challenge the definition of what has the right to dignity. Yeah. In other words, there is, you know, we talk about whether the show is political or not. And, you know, we've had certain episodes again, like uh, the gender one. What, what was that? The outcast. Yeah. The outcast, you know, where it's making an obvious political point, but in a way, in a lot of ways, just the redefinition of life that keeps going on in the show is itself. Uh, it's more of an analogy, but we can, very easily, you know, take that as a thing against racism or, you know, against, you know, well, I think, bigotry you know, of any kind. Yeah, well, I think that's something that's built into the DNA of Star Trek, yes, right? I mean, going back definitely. to Devil in the Dark and, you know, we, we had, I mean, you could even argue that something like Skin of Evil with Armas, yeah. you know, is, is even saying as much that Armas has a right to live. It's in, yeah. In, in a certain sense, right? Yeah, I mean, I found that the sin of Armas was that he didn't believe that he was able to be saved. Yeah. You know? Frank, you know, that frankly, it, once he... Yeah, they, 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 if Armas had decided, you know, okay, I'm going to figure this out, you know, they would have let, they would have helped him. You yeah, know, they, they, yeah. Again, this is a series that believed that the crystalline entity could have been communicated with. And so this episode, you know, is kind of the next stage of that. So in other words, um, if life isn't necessarily what you think it is, this implies that Part two of Star Trek The Next Generation, the series that, you know, the adventure continues on, is going to be about time and, you know, the nature of existence not being what one thinks of. I mean, that's frankly, Wesley and the Traveler are going on that journey as we speak, and... Yeah, because I mean, if you really look at the back half of the season, like it is, it has been about characters making decisions that we didn't think they would make and going different yeah. ways. I mean, with Wesley, with 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 Lieutenant Rowe, um, and and so 
especially in the future scenes. I mean, I don't think anybody really saw Data becoming a, a Cambridge professor. You know, I don't think anybody saw Picard dealing with the wine. You know, it didn't Picard seem like... Picard dealing any, with the wine, I figured, was... I don't know. I mean, I never really got a sense that that was something that he was going to do. I kind of I don't know. That, he would either die in battle or, you know, on a mission or self-sacrificing or, you know, he's good, but... At the age of like 150, like he but goes think, back home. Yeah, but I think in a way the future scenes were, were showing us a direction that the characters probably shouldn't go in. Yeah. You know, I think the implication is that Riker probably shouldn't accept an admiral position. You know, they think the, I the mean, implication it's... is that Beverly and, and, and Jean-Luc should not get married. You know, Worf should not go back to the Klingon Empire. You know, all of these kind of decisions. But right? hot damn, that kiss between them. I mean, that was. Oh, a, I know. That was an amazing. I, we've been waiting forever for that, and that was just a wonderful moment. But um, and I think it's really sad that, as far as I know, I don't think the movie has ever really followed through on that. You know, it's it's one of those relationships. I mean, frankly, you know, in this rewatch of the show, I've kind of become a Jean Luc and Beverly shipper. Oh like, God, yeah. You know, they would be great together, and I wish they would just get they get their shit together and realize it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're at the last episode now, so it's not going to happen. But again, they're going to always, you know want to do other things whether or not he has aromatic syndrome or not he's you know well and i think the implication under, is and that she's you know very happy and very good at being the captain of her ship oh so yeah it's, you know well of course her ship got exploded but i think because that, of him i know well i think that you know uh, you're kind of talking around it but i think that that what what this really this episode really is about is you know like you said even death not being what we expect it to be right because there's an implication that, you know, Picard is not ready to die. There's an implication that a lot of characters, I mean, Deanna, of course, is dead. Yeah. The implication is that humanity itself is being killed in, a, in effect, right? Yeah. And so what, it, what, what does death mean in a universe where uh, omnipotent beings can just sort of shuttle you around between time periods and cause you to destroy humanity? Yeah. Frankly, I, you know, one of the lines that stuck out for me is when he says, you know, whatever God you, you know, believe in, may he have mercy on your soul. Like, that was a very, I mean, yes, it's Q being, you know, Q, but at the same time, like, you know, and especially given Star Trek V where they met a God being, you know, what does that mean? What is the afterlife in Star Trek? I like yeah. that they, you know, is there the possibility of a divinity that's outside even of Q. Right. It's, you know, and that's... Well, because, you know, it's interesting cause, because Picard in the episode said something about he doesn't, you know, he thinks that, that destroying humanity is not within Q's power, right? And I think you've always made the argument... Well, I that, don't know if he says it was within his... I think he says even he's not capable of it. Like, I thought the I, implication was as much like... You know, even Q wouldn't do that, like because well, he likes us too much. No, I think I, I think but, the implication is that Picard doesn't believe that Picard that that Q has that power. It could have and a frankly, range. I don't think that Picard wants Q to have that power, right? Because I don't think that you, you've made this point that that you don't think that Q is as omnipotent as he says he is, no. right? I mean, and maybe he's not, right? I, I don't know. And there but, is also I, I also want to say this episode also makes the implication that. Q as we've seen it is Q acting down as a buffoon to, you know, for reasons of his own self. And this is, you know, closer to his real personality. You know, that's that's a I think that that's a good point, too. And and frankly, I think that the other half of that is uh, did any of this really happen? Well, that's you know, the we, question with tapestry. We had, yeah. Right. I was going to say we had that question with tapestry. And I think I came down on the, the side that it did happen and you more came down on the side that it didn't. But 
regardless of whether or not all of this stuff happened, the the point is not that that you know people are going to remember this. The point is that or that it really happened, whatever that means, uh, especially in a TV show. Yeah. The point is really, you know, what what is it saying about the themes of the show? What is it saying about the yeah. characters? Well, I mean, like, let's talk. What about, are we getting out of this? You know, Picard has had hell. The experience in the inner light was something that sort of didn't really happen, you know, but. It still affected Picard in a profound way, you know. Whether right. He's had several, ex- you know. It's very interesting, actually, that uh, Picard has had se- Picard more of anybody in the uh, 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 series has had these inward, almost psychedelic, you know, psychonautic experiences, which have kind of had him. I mean, frankly, the reason that Picard is able to understand the nature of time, at least for a brief moment in this episode, is because he's had so many weird experiences with time at this point you know yeah yeah the card went through tapestry in the inner light like that was the building blocks to this well they even almost quote word for word the scene from cause and effect the episode where the ship keeps getting destroyed yeah because the bozeman is coming out of the nebula right at them and captain kelsey Grammer doesn't know what's going on i love that episode. uh when they're i know that's a good episode and Brandon Braga wrote it um when they i don't think this is a coincidence when they're in the observation lounge and in, in, in the present right yeah and picard is telling them what's going on and how they shouldn't second guess their you know deanna says well i don't think that we should you know maybe maybe not doing something yeah, 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 is going to yeah, cause yeah, yeah, yeah. and and picard says well i don't think we should second guess ourselves or someone says it and it's like I that's think, almost yeah. word for word a quote from cause and effect and that sort of thing is built throughout all good things where it's really you know this is kind of a a a, a meta episode of the show where it's not about what it's about so much as it is like telling us about the show itself. Yeah. I mean, there is a degree to which this episode, I mean, the, the series in general has been dealing with regret a lot lately. And frankly, well, I the mean, whole season has yeah. really, you know, I mean, as cheesy as Alexander goes back in time and stuff. I mean, that episode almost opens the door for the possibility that maybe the future canon should be changed at times. You know, because that does kind of end with well, I guess Worf is going to change a little bit, of, whether you believe that or not. Right? That was the uh... well, I guess it's kind of, I guess that's an interesting question because you know, Star Trek definitely comes down on the side that the future should not be changed. Yeah, like the future is sacrosanct, and whatever happens happens, and if it does change, you should go back in time and fix it. Right? Whatever that means. Yeah. Now the question is. If something bad happens, right? If adult Alexander is 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 unhappy with his life, if Picard is developing dementia and doesn't, and I think the implication is that he's going to. I mean, that's tell, gonna happen. Either tell way. Beverly about this. She's going to do a level four scan on yeah. his brain or whatever and fix it, so he doesn't develop this error. But syndrome. I mean, kind of one of the implications but, from her, uh, 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 um. You know, the way she's dealing, you know, she reacts to him in that a lot of it, my, my the implication I got is that, you know, yes, maybe he would get treatment early or it would slow it down. Oh, but, yeah, I think so. But, you know, then he's going to be on the vineyard at age 100 instead of age 85. Like th- this is, I think, unless maybe. unless he beats the clock and they come up with a cure before he dies, like this is an inevitability that's going to happen. And so, I mean. Maybe, yeah. But then this episode comes to the. You know, under, I mean, but 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 again, whether he dies at age 150, whether he dies at age 80, you know, when, what, wh- whether he dies in battle, whether he dies of, you know, Alzheimer's, you know, Picard is going to die. All of these people are oh, going sure, to die. Yeah. Troy is going to die. And so 
You know, I mean, this episode ends with the future very – Except for Data maybe. Well, um, but, you know, even that was an un- that was an open question in a Time's Arrow, you know, frankly. Well, I think, you know, yeah, but I think all of this is making me realize that, you know, like you said, if, if the future comes out shitty, then maybe it is right to change it. You know, I think there's a couple things there. Number one is that uh, people don't people don't learn if they don't fail. Right. And so maybe it is important that people do ha- turn yeah. out shitty. Like, it, you know, it just is, you know. Uh, and so I don't think that you can really decide that it's right or wrong to go back in time and, and fix things. Yeah. But, you know, but I also. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well. I mean, in a way, finally, Q gives him permission. Q has been giving him permission to change the future. You know, Q has definitely, definitely Q likes people to use their Q powers. I mean, in, you know, yeah. the episode with the girl Q, you know, she, um, oh, it would have been nice to have seen her in this episode. Um, yeah, that would have been. <laughs> if she, even if she had just been one of the extras in the trial. You well, know, there's but, a lot of nice callbacks, but I don't, you know, you can't. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, of course. You know, I and, mean, Christ, we had Tashi R in the episode, oh which we haven't even talked God. about. Yet, so. Well, we will. We, this is it. <laughs> Folks, I hope you brought snacks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a four hour podcast. <laughs> um, while we think – while we may all agree that Q is a little more wanton with that than he should be, I mean – Number one tapestry, and then other this is you know Q saying that sometimes it's it's okay to change the timeline, and frankly, the episode ends with the timeline having changed. The anomaly doesn't exist anymore, so something has happened. So again, the ending is not written. So as they as as you know, Crusher points out, you know maybe you know if there is no open future, you know if we don't know what we're gonna do, we should try and make it the best. Again, we only have you, you know you only live once, so make it count. Well, yeah, I think so, and I if think if this that, is a Carpe Diem episode, that's a fine, you know, theme for it to have too. Well, yeah, and I think that you know, really, it's yeah, I think that's a good point, but I also think it's about hindsight and about yeah. not second guessing yourself, and I think that's oh, yeah. what the conversation, the observation lounge, is about, where it's saying, you know what, yeah, maybe the future will turn out shitty. But we all die at some point, so you just have to accept it, make the best decisions at the time with the information that you have, and if things don't turn out exactly the way you want, then you just have to live with that. And that's that's what being human is. You know, it's funny because this is – you know, that's extraordinarily existentialist and – it's surprising how much more upbeat and optimistic this feels than the average existentialist work, you know? Yeah. Which I think the episode is saying that we need to figure out – I mean not even I think, you know. This episode is saying – the series is saying you need to find what makes life worthwhile and definitely that's the relationships that you build with other people. That's what lives on. That's who, you know – again, a fairly standard theme but – a nice one for the series to talk about. Well, I think it's a nice one, and I also think it's important yeah. because I I don't think that I don't think it's something that we hear enough, and I think especially especially nowadays in the in the culture that we live in, uh, which which is very mean spirited, uh, which is very sarcastic, which is which is very just just kind of odious and gross to live in. You know, I I, I think that it's it's nice to revisit a show which believes that. Uh, people are are good, and that people will become better than they are, yeah. and that pe- you know humanity in general can can transcend itself. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if that's actually possible. And I think I look at something like Babylon Five, for instance, which very much says that people are always going to be people, and they're always going to have war, and they're always going to have yeah. dictators, and they're you know there's always going to be homeless and stuff. And I don't I don't believe that. You know, or and, it's and that's, not. It's not if you. I mean, because 
Well, I think I think that's why I... is a weird word. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm... No, I just think that's why I like Star Trek so much, yeah. because Star Trek is the, you know, very optimistic take on this. And yes, it's filtered through uh, a, a capitalist for-profit uh, business that is television. And of course, it is a very sort of... Uh, uh, middle brow thing but i don't think that's bad and i think that you know they they get they get to say a lot of profound things and then also give us really silly well, things mean, as well but but that's the thing i mean you can either write a very esoteric work which you know or you can write something which entertains people and makes like but it, this, no, way, this is going this reached more people well yeah and I, and there's no reason why learning can't be fun and school can't be fun <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. No, though. I know what you, know, you mean. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's this implication that, like, you know, uh, 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 you know, this is kind of getting far afield, but you know, whatever. We're talking about the last episode of the Next Generation. We're going to be talking for four hours, so why not? Is that you know, there's this idea that that a socialist, uh, 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 socialist society needs to be like um, dour, like the Soviet Union or something. And I really think that that you know what Star Trek shows us is that no, it can be fun. <laughs> like it's it's not about taking things away from people it's about giving things to it's people. about giving things to people it's about saying that that making a mistake in your life or making a few mistakes in your life shouldn't mean that you're relegated to a to a, a life of of poverty and misery and, and 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 hunger and that you know we can all provide for each other and that we can all really take care of each other and and it can be better you know i mean i want to talk uh, uh... Not to talk much about the term privilege and stuff, but that's one that I know you and I have, you know, found issues with a lot of people do. Um, I found a lot of the critiques of privilege end up uh, almost as if pointing out things to kind of knock down. In other words, you know, I have this bad, you have this good, you should have this as bad as me. And Star Trek talks about a world where they've eliminated privilege by giving that to everybody. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. even though the series does admit that there are problems with that still, I mean... Well, I ha- of course, Star Trek is not perfect, and Star Trek is, a, yeah. is always a product of its time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and certainly the next generation is not as representative as it should be in terms of, of race or gender, yeah. for, for, for example. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think that, that at its best, uh, Star Trek really does say that, that... The, the way to get a more equal society is to elevate everyone to a good level. I mean, frankly, you you and I know as well that if we – if you and I imagine a Star Trek – and it's interesting. I don't know what the demo, you know the cast dem- diversity is in the mo- the new movies lately, but I mean – Well, I, it's pretty much the same as the original series. Yeah, I mean, you know. That's true. But I mean if you and I were to write a Star Trek series, I mean I would say we need to give very serious attention to the cast and see, well, what's diversity in 2015 as opposed to what it was in 91 or what oh, it sure. was in yeah. and I mean, you I know, think- and But I think that's good because that kind of – that kind of – inclusiveness is almost built into the series. In other words, you know, it doesn't feel like it would be Star Trek to me unless they were like two steps ahead of culture, at least in terms of yeah. who gets dignity. Yeah. And I think that, that as the series goes on, I think you start to see that slip a little bit and it's yeah. kind of a problem. Um, but yeah, I think you're because right. Because that's, that's crucial to it. Again, even if we, you know, yes, you can say now, well, they give a black lady the operator position, but you know, this was also 1968. They put a woman on the bridge, and that's you know that that paves the way for 
you know, next generation. All right. Well, the chief medical officers, you know, both chief medical officers that we have are women. There and are- also, and also, frankly, I mean, not to get too far afield about this. I mean, we, you know, this is going to be a, a wide ranging conversation. But you know, one of the things that always does uh, irk me about that criticism of Uhura as space secretary is that. She's not. She's based on the battleship radio operator, which was a very important position. Yeah. So, so you know, that that kind of irks me because it's 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 actually lessening the impact that she had and lessening the impact that Gene Roddenberry meant by putting her on the bridge. Well, she wasn't a space secretary. She was actually in a very important position. But you know something? Maybe that's something that in 1968 they would have gotten. You know yeah. that that's just lost again. That that's a position. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's a position that you know. The you know again the average person who's watching they probably had a you know had a little more military knowledge you know Vietnam was happening you know World War Two had not been that long ago Korea had not been that long you know yeah and you know so people would know what that would mean now because of the difference in technology you know yeah all we can think of is rate is you know operator but yeah, that's actually a really interesting point yeah. I did not yeah. know that why didn't you say that during the original series uh, I don't episodes? know <sighs> let's talk about Tashiar. Yeah, I I think that the, you know, the the pre Farpoint scenes are interesting because they feel very they feel very flat, but not in a bad way. The, yeah, I was going to say we I mean, like, I, I would say the the way data is, you know, in his scenes in the past is the most obvious example of that, because. You know, yeah, that's season one data. He doesn't understand metaphor. He's acting much stiffer. You know, we know where data's, you know, come. And then, you know, frankly, the college professor scenes even, you know, show even more of a contrast. But, yeah, there's that flatness because there was a flatness in the European. There was a flatness to it. I think they kind of captured that perfectly. That was – it's interesting to me because I think that that something that probably doesn't get remarked enough about this episode is is how good everybody does it at playing different versions of themselves. Yeah. And that's really hard to do. I mean, especially Data with Brent Spiner. I mean, you know, he's playing the fir- the first season version of himself, as you just said, the stiff sort of uh, a different kind of version of Data. He's playing the present version of Data, which is a little looser, you know, a little more friendly, mm-hmm. whatever. And then he's playing a a future version of Data, which apparently has emotions because his made makes him laugh which we will talk about <laughs> but you know tasha yars in the episode and of course tasha yar is just running around barking orders at everybody and acting like an asshole because that's what tasha yar did uh wharf i think is probably the least successful one just because wharf in the first season was kind of you know whatever there. um and no one else is on the ship yet right well diana diana is right and she's yeah. kind of running around in her cheerleader outfit which is fine i was gonna say i remember the yeah the, the uniform is very striking too yeah but, uh, and that was frankly a very good you know, choice for a lot of those things, and especially the the decision to give J- Jordy his eyes back in the present scenes was a stroke of genius because then you have the different costumes. You know, it's a very good visual signifier because that, frankly, helps the difference between the oh, three yeah, time well, it's, it's very easy to ground yourself at all yeah. times because they're wearing the first season uniforms, they're wearing the seventh season uniforms, or they're wearing the or, oh. the, or it's the future, and it's yeah, obviously the, yeah, the future. Yeah, yeah. You know, Picard has a huge beard and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I think that, that, that putting Tashiar in the episode and kind of putting it in pre far point, I mean, they could have put it at any other point in the series. You know, they could have put it in the second season and had Riker in it. I mean, all these kind of things, right? Um, it's also kind of interesting to see how the first season uniforms don't fit them as well as they used to. <laughs> uh, which, you know, as we get older, we all sort of fill out a hey. little bit. 
Um, I love how Riker was the only one. Like, they couldn't even use, you know, they had to use stock footage, you know. Riker is put on about 30 pounds, and I mean, he needed to keep his beard, so they couldn't. Yeah, I know. That was, but that was hilarious, you know. Yeah, I know. It's like, this was not it. Um, That, I think that, you know, I don't know. It's weird because I, I'm wondering what Tasha Yar's appearance in the episode and, and sort of what that says about sort of the resonances about the road not taken, you know, what the episode is trying to say about death, what the episode is trying to say about time. Because, you know, if we even look to something like Parallels, you know, there's they could have put her in that episode. Yeah. Like there's a version or many versions of, of the universe out there where Tasha Yar never died. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, does almost, anybody ever really die? You know, this is kind of a big question, but well, that's that's one of those great philosophical questions that parallel universes make us think about. Because if 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 you know if we're right, and and you know people think that you know there's there's different things where people think that no one is real, and people think that only people are real that you know you see and blah, all that you know whatever. Like people stop existing as soon as they leave your. Doesn't David Hume say that or something uh, about babies say that? Well, yeah, because they play peekaboo and they think you disappear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, I think I think Hume says that where he thinks that if you if you don't directly experience something, it disappears. Do you know what I mean? There, I know, no, I know what you're talking about. There's um, a very famous story, and I don't know if it was Hume and another philosopher or two philosophers, and one said that you know my theory is that uh, you know nothing in this world exists but me, and the other philosopher hit him with a rock. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. But I think that the the inverse of that is Tasha Yar lives again for a while in this episode because Picard is experiencing her as alive. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that means, but I think it's 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 an interesting thing for the show to do. Yeah. And finally, it was really nice that they actually, you know, now, like the last we saw of Tasha Yar or heard about Tasha Yar, she had been... Uh, you know, repeatedly raped by a Romulan and then mur- and betrayed by her own daughter and killed. And now, she's not. Well, yeah, that's it, true, it was, too. Frankly, like, okay, you know, because I I don't know. I grew to like Tasha Yar for some reason. I can't tell you why. Maybe it's just she has really striking eyes. But that, you know, whatever. I, I, I liked her as a character. I feel that she, it was a shame that she left before they figured out how to write the character. Um, but I've always liked seeing her. And I, I liked her in this episode. It was, you know, good to see her again. And she gets to play a more substantial role, you know. And I think I think also the the characters do a good job at grounding themselves in, in that in that reality, in that time frame. Yeah. Even as Picard is confused. You know, like he says certain things. Yeah. He kind like, of gives orders to Worf that he should be giving to her. Yeah. You know, and so there's but but they all react appropriately. And they don't and they seem kind of you know, because it's interesting because they, they never really touched upon this, but but they didn't know Picard in the first season. No. You know, he was a brand new captain for them. Yeah, I was gonna say they literally what happened is it was the first time most of them were seeing their captain because you know he was literally just reading the orders you know maybe they knew about him but you know the ship had not met him for the most part and you know in the middle of his you know five minutes into going on he immediately calls a red alert you know and I like that it's actually Yar who's kind of has his back for the most of the episode because, you know, everyone's just kind of there and she's like, no, the captain said red alert. You know, we're doing this. You know, but she's cons- that's consistent with her. Yeah, exactly. She um, but, you know, imagine, you know, as Troy, you know, explains them. But, you know, 
he's there's somebody he's just met. He's claiming to be the captain. He's acting weird. He's calling red alert. He's very paranoid. Like I'm surprised every single officer on the ship hasn't radioed Starfleet and been like, "What the hell is happening?" Right. You know, this is the kind of thing where Crusher would be probably justified in giving him a medical you know like okay yeah you know, i don't know what you're sick with but you're sick with something so you know hey admiral whatever you gave the star you gave your new starship to a crazy man <laughs> i mean that could have happened yeah no like i but i mean that's that's kind of and especially and he he disobeys starfleet orders very quickly like that's that's weird you know but well, i guess because maybe picard i don't know but but maybe he knows that none of this is going to well, have any implications because none of it is going to ra- be real i mean ultimately. yeah at that point he thinks of himself as you know the present picard and he's also especially as it goes he knows that there is this you know anomaly that's going to destroy humanity and you know, there is a very good degree to which he has damned the consequences because he knows that, um, you know, whatever bad happens, you know, the destruction of the human race is, you know, worse. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that's fairly interesting. That's a version of Picard we don't normally see because he's normally a little more cautious. But in this, I guess he realized, like, the time for caution is not now. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think so. And I think that, you know... I don't know. Maybe this is a good opportunity for us to segue into talking about the plot of the episode as much as it is, because like you said, it doesn't make any sense. It's completely about paradox. Um, But it's about accepting that there are things in the universe that don't make sense, really. I mean, one of the I think it's interesting that, you know, Q says at one point like, oh, you're not going to be, you know, mapping stars anymore. You're going to be going to do some real adventures. And which I'm not even really sure what that meant. Well, I mean, to me, that (laughs) implies that, you know, he's I mean, what he is doing is you're going to be 10 feet tall on a billboard on Sunset Boulevard (laughs) because Star Trek Generations comes out on May 16th, (laughs) Uh, 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 1994 or whatever. Um, Then he winks at the camera. (laughs) Um, Buy 10 tickets, everyone. Um. I mean, he's, he is, you know, mocking the Enterprise's scientific mission, but I think one of the implica- one of the implications in the show, especially given that a few episodes ago we had a ghost that was revealed to be like some kind of a science thing, you know, and this <laughs> this episode has. You I know, like your characterization of that, by the way. That it's was kind a of science, dumbass. No, but for the most part, the series has been about understand, you know, the implication that there are things that we can understand and well, that right. science can and. Definitely the plot of this episode is saying there needs to be go beyond science and, uh, you know, to a – this is an episode about leaps of faith and about well, and leaps I, of cognition and – See, that's interesting because I kind of got the opposite read on that. Okay. I kind of got that that – there, there may be things that we can't understand, or there may be things that that the scientific uh, minds of the Federation can't understand. But that doesn't mean that they're not understandable, and that you know well, this this anomaly was caused kind of by accident through lack of understanding more than anything else. I mean, you know, part part of it is kind of like oh, anti time. Well, that's funny because yeah, they're yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, you know yeah. oh, warp thirteen. You know, they're doing kind of things as as winks to the audience. And I would say that was very. You know, obviously they solve the warp is destroying the universe thing because, you know, she casually does warp 13. Yeah. I feel like this was a better – like that was almost a first draft of the themes in this plot, which is that, you know, the act of exploration might cause consequences and is it worth it? Um, yeah. That, you know, because he does cause his – you know, the own, his own problem that he's trying to solve in this. Um, and yet, you know, obviously this was a much more effective version of that. Well, I think so, but I think that, you know... I guess... No, go ahead. I guess, well, maybe it's not so much that things can't be understood, but it's talking about 
an understanding that's not based on science in a way. Well, As it's, in a, it's intuition. I mean, cause yeah. where, where does where does Picard get the idea that this is anti-time, right? Like, he gets it from data, but where does data get it from? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's all kind of like... Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's that kind of idea in, in, in time travel episodes where... The, the effect precedes the cause. Yeah, you know, the Terminator travels back in time, and then from the remains they built Skynet, which causes the Terminator to come back in time, which, you know, um, yeah, and that that's, I mean, I find that stuff fun. Right, it doesn't need uh, to make sense. That's kind of the, the no, point. but, you know, there is meaning in the nonsense of this episode. There, You know, I feel like the fact that you have a backwards... You know, uh, anomaly that's going backwards in time. And and according to physics, time can go either way, by the way. Well, sure. And I think Um, that's kind of the point of the episode is that, you know, on the one hand, anti-time is like a nice winking thing to the audience. Yeah. Kind of say, oh, well, anti-matter, you know. But on the other hand, it is a a real uh, – it it, it ties into the theme of the episode because – it, it's one of those things where it says, okay, well, if you're going to go back in time and you want to fix things, like maybe this is what is actually going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. going back in time and trying to fix things is not the way to go because if you start to, to fuck around with time, you get pretty bad things. We, you know, the, the Federation, humanity in general, I think in this, in this version of Star Trek uh, is not ready to, to fuck around with time, is not yeah. ready to do all yeah, this yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And this is exactly what happens. Now, of course, the argument is that Q kind of set all this up because he's making Picard travel through time, or is he? I it's, don't I mean, know. it's almost Socratic, but, you know, like, all right, you know. I, I mean, both, you know, Farpoint almost implies that too. Like, it, it's not that, you know, they're really testing whether humanity is ready or not, but he's declared that they're ready and you've just got to solve this problem. Or if you're not ready, you know, it's the throw you into the ocean to make you to teach you to swim. Kind yeah. Of, uh, yeah. Method of teaching in both cases. You know, humanity is not ready to fuck around with time, but we're going to make them ready. Right. Right. And, and again and again, of course, it's it's an opportunity uh, for the show in this episode in particular to just kind of give us a sweeping look at the entire show. Yeah. It's a goodbye for the show. It's it's a nice send-off for everybody. I mean, that's really what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching this episode, and, like, halfway through, like, it hit that I was not going to be watching this series anymore, you know? like it. it yeah, it's it, sad. It was almost like, you know... <laughs> I know it's cheesy, you know, and yeah, but you know, it's nice checking in with these characters every week and you know, going to the Enterprise and I realize that I'm gonna fucking miss this version of the Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, well it I don't is, know, is it is it a good opportunity for us to talk about your experience with the next generation? Because you know well, it's one of those things where you know, the original conception of Trek about was that, you know, you had not seen any Star Trek. Was it possible for someone to come into the franchise yeah. relatively fresh, start at the beginning, and 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 just watch the entire thing? And I think that that the original series had mixed results. I don't know that you yeah. like it necessarily, but I think you grew to understand why people like I it. I like about half of the original series very much. If, if about half the episodes were cut, it would be a great one-season wonder. But I think that you really got into Star Trek with The Next Generation. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even just hearing you talk about it on the podcast, I mean, having conversations with you in real life, because Richard and I are friends, believe Aww. it or not, um, that, you know, I know that Richard was excited. I mean, there are some times where Richard's like, I'm going to watch Star Trek because I really want to, you know? And yeah. It's, it's nice to hear that because it, it really does validate kind of the mission of the show. Um, and if there's one thing I wish for the show is that like non Star Trek fans would listen to it more because I, I, there, I know some, some people have gotten into Star Trek through the show and that's kind of one of the points of the show is that 
Uh, I want to make sure that that Star Trek is accessible to people because I do think it's really important. Yeah. Um, and I'm not just saying that as a joke. Like, I, I really do feel that no, way. No, no. I mean, we've said that this is one of those, you know, lasting iconic examples of American culture. And that's not nothing. No, not at all. Um, so I think that that as we've, you know, and obviously uh, uh, in hindsight, we kind of swept through the original series crew very quickly. Um, probably in about nine months, and then we've lived with yeah. uh, the next generation for about a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know where 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 are you in this? Where what are you feeling about this? Well, it's interesting because I, I I prior to doing this show, I had again I'd seen a couple episodes of the original series, like the Trouble with Tribbles, um, you know, piece of the action. I think were and maybe one or two more. Um, I had seen Wrath of Khan, and I'd, I had remembered seeing, watching Next Generation a lot, but I don't, I find, like, I remembered fewer episodes than I thought I did, but I definitely remember this episode. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, this is, like, this is a very touching episode to me, if I'm in good, you know, pretty gay about things in a second. My, uh, and he can say that. I can say that. Um, you can't say that. Yeah, I can. No, the the audience, I'm saying. Oh, no, the audience can't. That would be very offensive. Yes. Um, yeah, around the time, the, so uh, my grandmother died in 94, so that was when the seventh season was running, right? Yeah, it yeah. Ni- it was between 93 and 94. Yeah, so... This uh, aired in May of 94. Yeah, so basically what, what had happened was, you know, yeah, late 93, my grandmother got sick, you know, mid-April 94, she passed away. And I remembered that, you know, a lot of times on, so this aired on Sundays, what, seven or eight o'clock? Oh, it aired at all kinds of different times. Well, um, in New York, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I remember my dad and I would watch Star Trek while my mother was, you know, at the hospital with my grandmother. We'd pick her up and then go back to New Jersey. And you know, like I said, my grandmother died late April, so this was this we watched a couple weeks later. Yeah. You know, once the uh, kind of the smoke cleared from the funeral and everything, and you know, starting to get back to normal and things like my dad and I watched this episode, and I just remember that. Very clearly, and and now watching this now, my grandfather is you know in very late stages of Alzheimer's, so the whole Picard plot line was very you know meaningful in yeah, this. Yeah. But um, like I said, this is an episode about death, about but death in the sense of I mean a death card kind of thing. Like this is it's about the next stage again. Every every be- every ending is a beginning. You yeah. Know, even, even, again, this ends in a. On such a, you know, note of, you know, everything continuing, but continuing a little closer. I mean, hell, it ends with Picard in the poker game for the first time. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, that's a that's just a perfect way to oh end my the God. show. And it's a perfect. I mean, the last line of the show is just amazing. I remember that. Yeah. Like I said, of everything of the episode, I remember that line so well. You were always welcome. Yeah. You know, sky's the limit. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, Picard has finally let all of his guards down. In a way, point. yeah. Yeah, like even, again, we've seen how, you know, especially recently how Picard looks to somebody who's not one of his, you know, inner circle. You know, how it is to just a random ensign or or how it is to Roe, who he knows but, you know, isn't that close to and who is right. about to be – you know, we've seen how Picard acts to them. We've seen how he – uh, acts towards the senior staff and how he's come to open up more. I mean, again, I remember even even though first season Picard wasn't as mysterious and, you know, distant as, you know, he is in past here, he was still fairly distant. I mean, he, he and Riker have 
gotten much closer sure, than, you know, sure. that. And this is kind of that final step. I mean, again, he's even, even if he's very close to all of them, he still just doesn't, he doesn't go to the poker games. He's still not completely of them. And, I mean, frankly, this is the only time we've seen every single member of the senior staff in the poker room at the same time. And that's I mean, very, I mean, that's very uh, obviously, you know, pointed because they want to put every single yeah. character, main character in the last episode. Yeah, which, frankly, last yeah. Scene. frankly, you know, most of the regular poker games, you know, having everyone there would be redundant and visually busy. You know, it's a right. very confusing scene to watch, but it's, they're all together. I don't know. It's just, a, again, if, if it seemed like it was a snapshot of the final crew and panning out, like. I liked that. that well, was... Yeah, and, it, and it's a TV show. Yeah. And, and, and you know, uh, uh, TV shows are one of the only areas of life where we do get clean goodbyes. And if they, they pull it off and they do it well, it's extremely satisfying. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's it's difficult because, you know, um, this is coming at a weird time for us because, you know, I'm I'm moving. Uh, we don't really talk about personal stuff on the show very much, but you know, since Richard was sharing things about his his dead grandparents, which is like, geez, bummer. Man. One of them is dead; the um, other's still alive. That you know, I've lived in 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 New York for for a very long time, and I'm, I'm moving um, to the West Coast. Uh, in, L.A. He's going to be a movie actor. <laughs> I'm not moving to L.A. Uh, San Francisco. He's going to become an asshole. I'm also not moving to San Francisco. <laughs> You're just going to do that until, by default, people know where I live because I'm just like, yeah, I'm living there. <laughs> um, that I'm moving to Oregon. It's not a big secret. Um, don't stalk me. But, you know, so so for if us, it's... Cute, can they stalk you? Sure. Um, for us, it's weird, too, because, you know, we, we made a pointed effort of of making sure that we were going to wrap up the next generation, you know, before I move because I'm, I'm moving in a few days. And... You know, it's 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 kind of bittersweet for us. I mean, this is this is an ending for us as well. Yeah, we. You know, the show friends. is not ending. The show is continuing. Um, you know, we're going to keep doing it, but uh, you know, we've it been, is going to be a little yeah. different. And we've been friends for a long time. Yeah, we've, and we've, we've been we've... friends for what seven years, eight years. Yeah. And so, you know, it is going to be difficult for us to transition as well. And we're going to be saying our own goodbyes. So, I guess what I'm asking you, Richard, is, do you want to play poker? I don't like to. Well, fine then. I could play like old maid but yeah so i think that this is coming at a very interesting time for both of us yeah and you I, know and that but that's the nice thing about star trek is yeah. that you know it really can there's you know there's this whole meme that is like to have a bad day you know feel better by watching star trek have a good day celebrate by watching star trek yeah. but i think it's really true no like, i mean this is this is the kind of thing that i mean we've especially talked about how this is a very sprawling episode but i feel like this is the kind of show that you will watch at different times and get something different out of this specific episode yeah and and you know it there are criticisms you could make of it i mean we you know we're very pointedly talking about the episode kind of kind of uncritically even but you know i don't give a shit well that's the (laughs) thing i mean like there are criticisms you could make of it you know it's a brown and bragg episode like the characters don't really do anything like blah 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 that the actual like you know um um the actual like seven season characters are not really in the episode all you know all this kind of weird stuff but it doesn't matter that's not the point of the episode yeah you know we we've seen these characters grow and change over seven years and you know if the last episode is just a huge love letter to the fans and a huge love letter to the show and a way for us to see cool shit and see how they've grown and changed yeah. over the past three years you know it's a show that can do that it's a show that can pull it off and it's a fantastic way to end the show. I, I I don't think that they could have done a better job with it. You know, I think it's funny that they have. Again, we were, you know you mentioned it at one point. You know, they worked on this a long time. I think the other week we said, uh, 
you know, it seems like they, you know, some of these episodes are rejected finale ideas. Like you can see, you can just imagine how many time, how many different, you know, plots they went over for this, and they went with a very, you know, yes, it's a huge plot. It's the destruction of the human race, sure, but it's handled in a very philosophical and personal way. Again, which is, you know, very symbolic way, a very allegorical way. Um, but I think I like that they also have some very big scenes in here. Again, you have the standoff with the Romulans. And I love that scene where they finally, you know, like, look, we can each let one in. You know, our governments won't like it, but, yeah, you know. We get to see Tomalock again. So. Yeah, you know. Um, and you have, I mean, that's uh, the the scene where Riker comes in and, you know, he has that laser thing. I mean, that was probably the most badass space sure. shuttle in the series. I loved it. The Enterprise you know? DS3 nacelles now for some reason. Yeah, a you know. device. device. Oh, know, my God. It was great. You know, that's so – again, you could see that, that somebody might have wanted to have, okay, this will be just a big, you know, Klingon battle, you know. They gave that it was a five, it was a two minute scene, but it was really cool to see that. Well, yeah, and also I mean, there's ways that they could have gone overboard with it, and I think yeah. the episode gives you what you want, and it sort of gives you a lot of cool stuff, but it also shows restraint by not making it too big. You know, there's a way that this could have gone overboard very easily, and it's nice that the show, this episode is able to both do the big moments and the quiet moments I equally mean, and equally as well. I think. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I have a very short attention span for action scenes you know after a couple minutes like i completely lose what's going on for one of the reasons that i really watch movies anymore is because i can't i don't understand you know 2015 cuts you know well that's a problem you should go to a doctor yeah um but you know the 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 two minute scene that was in this there was the perfect amount i can handle it was cool it was exciting it was a last minute rescue and then you know they went to the stuff that's interesting yeah yeah no this was a very yeah and I mean, you know, there's other things we could talk about. I mean, we could talk about Data with his emotions. We could talk about Alyssa losing her baby. I mean, we could talk about oh, a lot of things. God. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's any way to really discuss, you know, all good things in a comprehensive way because the it, you know, all good things is is almost not a concrete episode of the Next Generation. It's almost a sense memory of the show. It's a very yeah, it's very impressionistic. Yeah, like I don't think that the you're you're just supposed to kind of sit there and take it in and and. And it's really about feelings and it's really about emotions and it's not really about uh, logic or thought in a sense, right? I mean it's the kind of thing that they could have plot-wise fit into a regular length episode, yeah. It's not that complex of a plot, you know. I mean this is – you know, they did stuff like parallels and, you know – we just said the name of it, where the Enterprise keeps getting destroyed. Oh, um, cause and effect. Yesterday's Enterprise 2. Like, they've had these really high-concept, gigantic episodes that they've handled in one part and done fine, you know? And this could have been one of those. Yeah. But, you know, again, it gives – making it the double length, they fill that out with just, again, these emotional resonances, you know? Last night when, you know, you and I were talking, you know, I said, oh, I finished it. You know, I was joking like, oh, I didn't cry, which I did a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, you know, you said it's not a very sentimental episode. And I mean, it is in some ways given that, you know, it is about their power of friendship and, you know, where this carass together sure, and, you know, sure. and all of that. But, um, yeah, it's not a... I don't think it's a maudlin episode. You can pick, yeah, you can picture an episode where you know they get married or somebody dies or you know everyone's leaving to their own. You know, like you can see, you know, frankly, I, I it's interesting. You were telling me about, you were saying like, oh, t- you know, things today. You know, it's nice to have a show that has something 
you know, nice to say. So I'm thinking about Breaking Bad, you know, and yeah. how that was – and yes, legitimately great series, legitimately great finale, but – the more I think about it, I don't know what I needed to have, was meant to be left with. Right. Well, Breaking Bad was a magician's trick, and Breaking Bad was a show that was really entertaining while you were watching it. But is there anything really to say? I mean, it, it, not really. It is about its, it, you know, at, for all that Breaking Bad is not about its plot. It's very much about its plot. It's just a guy turns, you know, into an asshole and then figures it out. Right. Or not. But but that's um, what I but that's what I think is so great about Star Trek yeah. is that you know you can get so much out of it and you know it, it's interesting to me that the 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 show that had the worst pilot by far I mean Encounter at Farpoint is pretty dreadful um, has the best finale and one that frankly uses Encounter at Farpoint I mean in a way this is a retelling of Encounter at Farpoint yeah um, in some scenes more you know literally yeah and. You know, this this episode made me think fondly on Encounter at Firepoint. And also, I think the show is, is you know, All Good Things is really about the, the entire experience of watching The Next Generation. You know, I think that um, The Next Generation is a hard show, I think, for people to appreciate right now just because it it is, you know, so I, I remember reading a comment on a, on a blog post about The Next Generation or about Star Trek in general where it was, it was really profound. And I, I, I wish I knew who did it because I, I want to, like, send them five bucks or something. But they basically uh, said, like, The Next Generation is a really, really strong television show, but it's a really strong television show in ways that television shows aren't made right now and aren't appreciated yeah. right now because it's so different from the kinds of, like, prestige cable shows that people really – champion right now you know in a way you always talk about post x worlds we're in a post sopranos world and television for better or for worse for the past 15 years has been following a sopranos uh, uh pattern and mindset and the next generation i think is really the best example or one of the best examples of a completely different theory of television yeah and if it's hard for people to appreciate it right now, I think that if you sit down and you watch the show in order, um, episode by episode, like we've done over the past year and a half, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't have that high of an opinion of the show. I knew that individual episodes were yeah, good, yeah. and I did like it, but watching the show like this in one long stretch, <laughs> I've really come to appreciate it as a body of work. And the show has a lot of subtle cues. The show does a lot with continuity in very different ways. Um, individual episodes are, are probably some of the finest television ever made. And it's it's just a very, very well-acted, well-directed, well-written show at its best. And people should watch it. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird to say that about <laughs> Star Trek, about The Next Generation, which is probably like one of the most lauded television shows ever. Yeah. But I think it's kind of been forgotten in some ways. And, you know, especially as we start to transition into Deep Space Nine, which I think is probably the best Star Trek show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to say the, ne- the Next Generation is worse because it's different from Deep Space Nine. I think that The Next Generation is probably the best version of this type of show that we've ever gotten. Okay. I mean, I liked... <laughs> Again, I, I I I certainly liked it a lot more than the original series. Um, you know, and I don't know. There was a degree to which this feels a little more like home than the original series. Yeah, I think so. You um, know. Partially because of my age, partially because I had watched some of it, you know. But 
Well, I think the next generation is at a weird, a weird age, right? Because I think that the original series is perhaps just a little too old for people to to view as theirs yeah. at this point. Um, the next generation, my dad, is, yeah, but you know, I mean, we grew up with the next generation. I mean, I watched more of it than you did, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you only really saw some episodes from the seventh season uh, back when you were like, you know, what, twelve or something. Um, but we we have memories of it as kids, and so it does feel more uh, 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 fresh to us in a way. But it's also at a weird age because it's it's not quite old enough to put into a historical context, yeah. and it's not quite new enough to feel fresh and new. And frankly, because I mean, I mean people tend to want this, you know, very strong uh, serialized and you know storytelling arc based storytelling, and you know, you almost get the sense that shows without that are missing something. Like you know, I almost. You know the fandom stuff and you know the reception of these things better than I do, but there's almost the implication that this isn't as good as a show because it's just episodes of television. Yeah, I think so. A really strong sci-fi series like Battlestar Galactica or Heroes is going to have a plot line. I don't think anyone says Heroes. (laughs) But yeah, I think you're right. I I saw that series till like the first season till like two episodes before the end and then I just stopped watching it. I I think you're right and I think that, that one of the things that I've really grown to appreciate about watching The Next Generation over the past year and a half is that it's nice to just sit down and know that you're going to get a complete story in, oh a, my, in, in 45 minutes. I'm going to be honest. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there is a degree to which too convoluted of a story. You're like, what the – because I, I couldn't even remember smaller bits of this. You know, I don't want to – you don't have to see a previously on, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation every single episode to just get you up to speed. Right, like, you right. Can figure – and even on the – I mean because I'm thinking about like – the episode with Damon Bach, you know, recently where he just kind of randomly appeared, you know, a show today would have a previously on Star Trek and would talk about that episode, you know, I'm going to kill your son. I might, you know, right. Yeah. Right. You know, you kill, yeah. And that's, you know, that, that I, I don't always like that. I guess I'm finding, I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right. It's interesting. Well, I think maybe it, we will get. I mean, these shows are ending, frankly. You know, Breaking Bad ended, Mad Men ended, The Sopranos ended. Like, it almost feels like this era of television is slowly, you know, going. They can't do, you know, uh, a Walking Dead and Game of Thrones forever. Like, I don't know. Maybe people are tired of the cynicism, and I almost wonder if there is a. Like, yeah, you can't make a Star Trek now that's naive, you know? It has to know that stuff has happened, you know? Yeah, you probably will. Well, know, frank, I think, frankly, I can't say that all of the advances in television storytelling were bad. A lot of them were very good. No, sure. Um, but, I, I also, but I also want to caution you against saying that you can't make a Star Trek that's naive because I don't think The Next Generation is naive. No, that's what I'm saying. And, like, and Deep Space Nine is certainly not naive. Um, you know, and so I think as we transition into Deep Space Nine, I think it's going to be really interesting to to see you put it in context with the next generation, especially yeah. since it'll be your first time watching it, and and Deep Space Nine, I think is one of the it is the Star Trek show I think that benefits the most from having a knowledge of Star Trek, yeah, yeah, yeah. because Deep Space Nine is really the Star Trek show that is about Star Trek and about uh, uh, taking Star Trek and its themes and its ideals, I think, to like the logical limit um, and kind of doing new twists on them as much as possible, and so. You know, Voyager is a good time at some points. Enterprise is a good time at some points, but that generally is sort of the 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 downslope of the franchise. And uh, 
you know, there are parts of Voyager, the second season in particular, that are going to be some rough going I'm when we get to them in a year and a half or so. <laughs> Two bucks, big day. Yeah. But, you know, Deep Space Nine, I think, you know, I, I, I think you're really going to like. So. I'm really excited. I mean, we've talked about, you know, we talk about a theoretical next Star Trek series. And, like, you know, the more I think about it, the more I really don't like the fact that the movies are reboots, you know? I yeah. Just, I, well, it feels Which, it feels it feels churlish in a way, right? It feels like it's throwing everything out about what made the the series great and what made the franchise great. And, and it's, it's like almost, we can do it better. And it's like, well, no, actually, you can't do it better. I mean, it almost seems like a bad like not a bad faith about it. Like Star Trek is only Captain Kirk and you know company, and you know the again, Next Generation was great because it was able to look at you know phase two was just kirk and company again you know with some other you know characters and this is saying that well what is the core of star trek and it's not you know these people it's not this era of time it's not this particular you know galactic political situation it's these themes and these viewpoints and these philosophies and frankly i think it makes it stronger to have different characters expressing that because you know I'll, I believe that the galaxy has changed if I've seen, you know, several different crews that are like this, you know. Sure. And, and while the Enterprise is certainly the sexiest ship in space right now, you know, we can imagine that similar things are going on and that people think similarly enough to – that to make the movies reboots is basically saying, no, Star Trek is Captain Kirk and company, you know. Yeah. If yeah. they were to make a new series of it and it's just a reboot of the original series what's the fucking point well yeah i think so i think that's a really good point and it's certainly something we can talk about in you know four years when we get to the, <laughs> we get to the reboot movies and but, well maybe we maybe we'll know about whether there's a new series we or may not at that then. point yeah. yeah um i think that's an open question at this point but yeah i think you're right and i think that you know as well of course there are financial reasons for why they're doing it as captain kirk and company because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the most you know that is star trek to the average person and the reboot movies are intended for a more general audience. And they're, that's but then they're, the, 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 they're big blockbusters that they want to make a billion dollars on. And so they're not going to put, you know, they're not going to reboot Deep Space Nine because no one's going to go see that movie because that's not Star Trek to the average person. Yeah, now, no. the argument could be made that, you know, the average person does know Captain Picard. And I think people do. You know, I, you know, I, um, you know, when I, I, you know, since I'm moving to Oregon, I quit my job and uh, uh, I work for a prominent nonprofit public media company in new york city where i used to and uh we had patrick stewart uh do um pledge drive spots yeah. for us people know who he is you know oh, they, yeah. we, there there was there was one of the pledge drive spots that was a very funny take on his role as captain picard um i think that a next generation reboot could work but i don't want to see one i don't think it's necessary i think that there's no way that a next generation reboot would be anywhere near as good as the show that was created. And I think in a way it's kind of um, disrespectful to the work that all of the hundreds of people that worked on the next generation for seven years uh, to put the work in and really make a fantastic television show. Um, I think it's disrespectful to that. And I think that if you want to do something new with Star Trek, do something new with Star Trek. Don't keep riding on the coattails of the old stuff. I would love to see a series at Starfleet Academy, maybe. And hell, if you want to get Captain Picard in there, he's teaching. Yeah. <laughs> no, like you really seriously could get guest stars from anybody who's, you know, still alive. Hell, even George K could take a. Uh, well, also, frankly, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, we're almost at the same. I mean, it's only 21 years, but, you know, at this point, it's, it's, it's roughly. Yeah. 
the same amount of time from the last season of TNG oh, wow. to the future parts of All Good Things. So we actually know what they look like now. So it's like some of them look better than others, but you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, Patrick it's funny. Stewart, for example. Yeah, well, um, Patrick Stewart, I think is just I don't know. He has a picture of himself in an attic somewhere because he's, yeah. he's an android. He might be. Um, <laughs> See, data was based off of the personal experiences of uh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I think so. I think, uh, are we done talking about all good things? I think we are. We're not done talking about all good things. The trial never ends, Eric. That's right. But, you know, something, this is the kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, this episode has me in a very specific mood and thinking about some specific things. And I guess this, that's the best thing that I could ever say about anything, really. Yeah. And it's been uh, it's been really a pleasure to do this show with you, and it's going to continue to be a pleasure to do this show with you. You know, yeah. even though it's going to be a bit different, but um, I'm glad that you're getting something out of it, and I'm glad that, that the people that listen to the show are getting something out of it too. I mean, I'm going to miss watching this for the you know, if we're taking a couple of weeks off of yeah. watching, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss. Yeah, we are going to take a we are going to take a few weeks off, and it's going to transition. But and even I'm like, going to miss watching it. I'm going to miss saying, oh, I'm going to watch Star Trek and talk about it with my best friend. Because really, this is this is fun for me. Yeah, you know, I think we do a good show. Uh, I think we do a lot of, of of good stuff here, good analysis. But at the end of the day, I get to spend an hour or two every Aww. week talking about my favorite thing with my best friend, Aww. and that's just nice. <laughs> with your little dog snoozing away. Yeah. Um, and it's even going to be weird the first couple weeks of DS Nine because even if I uh, like, it was weird the first couple episodes of Next Gen because I'm like, who are these people? Right. They aren't the people right. that I've come to know. Right. But you know. I don't know. Am I going to feel the same love for the DS9 cast? I think you will. I think you will. There, it, it's it's a fantastic show. It really is. And I mean, you know, Voyager. I'm not at all worried about. Oh, you shouldn't be. You're going to love Tuvok. <laughs> um, is there a breakout character in uh, Enterprise? Probably Porthos the Beagle. Oh. And I'm not making that up. Oh, what a day! Uh, I will give all good things ten, ten anomalies. anomalies. And that is the last time that we will rate an episode of Star Trek because we made a decision months ago that that bid had played itself out like four episodes in. So we are done with that. No more rating of episodes. You know that we just make up numbers right on the spot, right, folks? Yeah, we're not like, oh, we have we have algorithms and polynomials. And we're, yeah, no, we Every so that. often we talk about episode guys and we're like, do we need to get like the figure out what our fucking ratings are? <laughs> Um, so uh, just to give a little bit of a roadmap, this is only going to take a minute or two about what, cool, I'll what you out. should, what you should be watching, um, for the next couple of episodes of Trek about. Uh, so the plan actually is not to do the TNG movies like we did the original series movies all in one go right after the show. Uh, and that's because there are certain plot elements of some of the movies that, that are bits of spoilers for D space nine okay. and perhaps won't make too much sense. So we're going to watch generations next week, Star Trek generations, the first Star Trek TNG movie. Uh, then we'll transition into the pilot episode of DS nine wow. emissary. Wow. And, uh, we should also say that we'll we'll give you uh, when we get to Star Trek First Contact, when we get to Star Trek Insurrection, when we get to Star Trek Nemesis in the timeline, we'll tell you when that's going to happen. But roughly, if you want to know, Star Trek First Contact will not take place until about season five of, of DS9. 
and Star Trek Insurrection won't take place, I believe, until season seven of, of DS9. And roughly in, so, ter- in and, terms of release, because I know you have this weird spreadsheet. Like, uh-huh. When is that going to be? Oh, I don't know. How long are we doing DS9 for? Well, it's about as long as TNG. Okay. So, so it's about a year and a half. It's only a year and a half we've done TNG? Yeah, just about, I think. Maybe, well, actually, maybe almost two years. Wow. Yeah, but it's been a while. So around 2017, we'll be doing the DS9, 2019 Voyager, and what is it, 2021 we're finishing this project? No, 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 it'll be before then. 2020? It'll be like 2019, I think. (laughs) That doesn't even sound like a real year. I know, I know. Um, Yeah, so next week, Star Trek Generations. And I think it'll be nice, actually, to do it that way. Because I think you've really come to like the Star Trek TNG crew. And so every once in a while, they'll pop up Ah, and you'll get to see them. Like a -a whack-a-mole. And you'll get to see them be destroyed by the writers because the movies are shit. But anyway. uh, Okay. So you have to make the like, uh, oh, can I do it? uh, If you want to talk to us on Twitter, you could go to twitter.com slash trekaboutshow. If you're on Facebook for some reason, you could go to facebook.com slash trekaboutshow. As always, you can comment on the episode on the post at trekaboutshow.com. We read all of them, and we should probably start doing something with those. Um, we could read them on air. It would we be could. Cute. Um, we could have like a mailbag sound effect. And the best thing you could do for us is to give us a five-star review on iTunes. That will help new listeners get to the show. Send this show to a friend. Send the show to an enemy. Send the show to a teacher, a loved one, your dog. We love you, folks. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us for the past several million years. Yeah. And And continuing on because the adventure continues. Excitingly enough, you're going to get two episodes of the show within a short time frame because, and I think Richard forgot this, next Thursday will be Star Trek Generations. And then we are transitioning to a new release schedule. Oh. So we'll have Star Trek Generations next Thursday. Then we will start with the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine, Emissary, on Tuesday. What? And then after that, the show will come out on Tuesdays. Okay. I like Tuesday. So get used to that because it's happening. Thank you for listening and join us next week for Star Trek Generations. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other.